0: I hope what you learn from this conversation is a catalyst for your own growth. So thanks for tuning in and welcome to our tribe. The premise is there's not a workforce problem in the industry. Prove me wrong. Here's some experts that I walked around talking to at in Philly that where we talk about the different sides of this elephant in the room. That is, we've got a workforce problem. There's not a workforce problem. There's a being too specific about only wanting to hire people in the solar industry problem. How about we look outside of the industry, where people are clamoring for jobs and stop complaining about the lack of talent, start working towards educating them.
1: I actually think the critical materials thing is overhyped. I think the workforce thing is somewhat overhyped. I think a lot of these problems are going to work themselves out.
2: Dr.
0: Volts, a.k.a. Dave Roberts, makes the claim in our recent podcasters Roundtable that materials and workforce development will work themselves out. They're really not big issues. We know these topics are top of mind for our solar industry, so I asked this question recently as I walked around the RE Plus Mid-Atlantic Conference in Philadelphia to some of the leaders that I encountered. Among the many interesting answers I particularly liked were solutions that we're bringing to the market will be part of the reason that things will in fact work themselves out. But you know, it's not that simple. So here are five very informed viewpoints from experts that I've personally gotten to know and appreciate. And then I wanna know from you, what do you think? Leave your expert opinion in the comments. Feel free to be like Dave and challenge the norm. I sure did. Oh, and if this video hits all the right spots for you, all I ask in return is for you to crash that mouse pad down on the like button and subscribe for more content like this. First up, is Catherine McLean from Dylan Green with a full interview all about attracting talent and candidates? How to get that job? All right, I'm back and uh, we're on the show floor, walking around looking for friends. I run into longtime friend and DEI justice warrior Ben, one of the best recruiters in the industry, Ms. Catherine McLean. Good to see you.
2: Friends in low places. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's because she lives in DC, y'all. The um, so that you know the prevailing conversation I've heard a lot that I think you probably have some perspective on Mm -hmm. is that we have this massive workforce development uh, shortage and even just workforce shortage. You and I have talked about it. I'd like your perspective on what do you think that
2: corporates are missing in this, in this dialogue? Like, what's making this hard right now? I think what it is is we're all looking for specific experience. So not only are we looking for, like, specific skills and attributes, but we're also looking for people to come from specific industries, right? So we want a solar developer to come from a solar development shop. And I think the challenge that companies are having is there's a perceived labor shortage. And, and that, that is true if we're going to only be looking like for like. But there's so many many people who want to come into this industry in all different levels of um of the, of the so junior people, you know, middle career uh changers, more senior people, etc. So just being open to where people are coming from I think would help a lot.
0: Yeah. We were just chatting with our buddy Mike from New Columbia yeah. and it turns out that the whole um you know, return to the office versus hybrid work situation yes. actually complicates deals as well. Can you talk a bit about uh, both from the candidate side, the desire to work from where they are, and from the corporate side, the desire for folks to be in a specific location,
2: how that's impacting your work? It is impacting my work quite a bit. It is the bane of my existence of 2023. Um, There is a real line in the sand. Like Companies are are hybrid, and it's three days a week, and they are not moving on that. They feel like they're being flexible by giving two days a week uh, from home. But hybrid is not remote, right? So the problem that you have, especially for what I, do, Which is more diversity, replacing a lot of women, is that we women have actually excelled tremendously during COVID because of the remote, of, you know, aspects of of, um, of the job, and so it's allowed them to sort of build their careers and continue to sort of look after the household, which a lot of a lot of them, not all of them, do. Um, so I think what I the big issue that I've had this year and a lot of my clients have had is this sort of relocation. Right. So a a person may be in, uh, you know, somewhere in Texas, that's a very reasonable place to live and then maybe asked to relocate to one of the major cities there. And so they're willing to do that. But then they're going to need a lot more money to to do that. Right. Mm -hmm. So they're going to need relocation. They're going to need a higher base. There's going to have to be a justification for why they should leave their remote, more cost effective place to relocate. And so I think what you're having, you're, you're just seeing a lot of candidates sort of struggle with this and, and a lot of companies not really want to have to pay to get these people to cut co- to come in.
0: Yeah. So one last question for you, cause this is your specialty. Um, particular, I know that as I mentioned at the top, you specialize on helping corporate entities find diverse candidates yes. and diversity in all aspects, but particularly focusing on women yes. in the workplace. Yes. What, it, what do you, what have you found has been the most helpful, uh, advice or education that you give to either corporates and or your candidate clients that is is particularly for folks coming, not in the work, because I, I say we create our own uh, inflation in yeah. the industry, right? Because we only hire people who've been in solar before. Right. So you happen to, I know that you focus on helping bring people in from outside like, I try. industry. Yeah, no. Yeah. And what and people and people reject it, which we got a problem with that, corporates. Correct. But what do you, what have you seen has been like a lever that helps someone coming from outside industry to really understand how to take those first steps into getting a job in the sector?
2: Well, I think there are organizations that are are helping with this, like Climate um, Climate Base. Yeah, uh, they have quite a good, a lot of. Um, sort of networking events and like employers, like career fairs that they're doing to really encourage people who aren't in the industry to to get in the industry and speak with employers who would be open to them being in the industry. Um, making sure that you're clear on your LinkedIn profile, that you're interested in the industry. If you're currently in a job and you you don't want your employer to know that you're looking to switch industries, there's ways to be subtle about it on your profile. A lot of it is algorithms, so making sure that you have some keywords in there that would make a recruiter sort of- What are some um, of those keywords? Clean energy, yeah. Climate change, sustainability, solar. Yep. Like you could just say you're passionate about yep. it if you don't want to be. It's Not
0: out- like Pumpernickel obvious. is like the universal <laughs> word for.
2: <laughs> no giraffe. <laughs> no, no. The other thing that's I'll- gotta happen. We
0: need we needed a, a code word for recruitment. Like if you well, then, yeah. but every code word has to change every. Every quarter, I yeah,
2: keep changing it. You gotta keep changing it. But no, I think if companies are gonna, just going back quickly to the remote thing, I think if companies are gonna really say you have to be in the office, and I can respect that. Don't yeah, get me wrong, like, I can sure. respect that. Um, I just think they're gonna to need to be more open on experience and higher on skills and attributes. And again, you know, if they're, if you know you find somebody at seventy five percent of what you're looking for, it becomes quote unquote easier to do that twenty five percent training because they're going to be in the office, right? Yeah. So they're in that location. So that's why I, think. I think. we should go back to all remote though.
0: All remote, all remote <laughs> for the win. <laughs> Catherine McLean is the founder and CEO of Dylan Green, a recruitment firm in the industry focused on diversity equity and inclusion and in particular helping get more women into the workforce love the work that you're doing you. excellent clients like Lightsource BP. trust her and you should too yep. we'll put the link to her website down below so you can go check it out and we'll link Thank you to linkedin as well <laughs> thanks Catherine. certainly has a very informed viewpoint from years of experience placing people in the best companies in our industry you might want to give that one a listen again next up though is Jason Higginson from AP Systems. He's got a particular view on long-term and short-term labor shortage. David Roberts in our last roundtable said that actually critical materials and the workforce uh, issues that we point to are kind of overhyped and that they'll eventually just work themselves out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm walking around the show floor talking to my friends who've been in the industry for a long time and are you know smart marketers. And I'm curious, what's your response to that. How especially as a as a contingent of the industry that does touch on both of those elements in terms of uh, what's what's uh, embodied in the work that you do and who and who installs it on the roof?
3: Yeah, that's a great question. Um I mean, and this is just my personal opinion from my own experience. Okay. Um, but I think um I disagree and I agree. It's he's taking, I think, a little more of a long-term view on it because long term, I mean, it's like Keyesian economics. John (laughs) Maynard Keyes says in the long run, we'll all be dead. So, it's the long term, it'll work itself out. Right? The short term is where that doesn't play out as well. So, in the long term, uh, you know, we're talking five, ten years from now, uh, those hard to find components materials expensive we're talking like you know the the lithium and vanadium that's going into all of the batteries that yep. uh, now with the you know agreements between china and the u.s tightening up on those some of those uh, more expensive metals um it's it's harder for that technology to gain ground when the supply is dwindling right. so I see the industry switching to new, newer technologies. Yeah. I mean, I know on the utility side, they're looking at things like um, iron flow batteries, where it's yep. iron, salt, and water. I mean, they don't have anything like that for you know residential at this time. Yeah. But uh, you know, in, it breeds innovation, and in the long term. Yeah. Innovation is really going to solve that problem for us. That's
0: probably why he's not yeah. worried. In the short term, it, it's a challenge. And yeah. We have to figure out how to make that work. So the IRA is incentivizing things like apprenticeships and workforce development is a key component for the DOE and a lot of the attention that's going into Deploy 2.0. Um, do we really have a workforce development problem in the industry? And if we do, how, where do you see from the perspective of a major manufacturer strides being taken or made
3: you know it's that's another good question i i think a lot of that uh, again that short term long term view long term it'll work out short term it's it's tough especially when you consider the fact that we had um, on the tech side the first part of the of the year there was a lot of tech job layoffs yeah. you have a lot of smart capable people in the workforce that are looking for for work yeah um and uh, not a lot of jobs to be to be found the whole industry tightened up about a quarter ago and it hasn't really let up since then so having those challenges then bleeds into the solar industry uh, because you know smart people that are capable that have those skills I mean that describes our, our industry Yes, right? it does so we um, we really need to, to come up with uh, solutions to help uh, you know get those and I think that's what that is is those, those workplace development to try to bring those jobs to people but um, yeah in in the long term eventually it'll all work itself out as the industry grows and, you know, things relax, but, uh, it's definitely a challenge right now.
0: I certainly appreciate Jason's view and agree that we have some things to work out and we're going to have to come together as a coalition to make it happen. Following Jason, we've got Wit Fulton, CEO of Connector. We talk about the three things that need to happen for workforce development to really take hold, not just in the coasts, but across this vast nation. One other element of the industry that everybody uh, seems to be talking about today, and I'm curious from your perspective as a hardware provider, um, either do you see this with your customers or kind of what's your perspective on it? Because you've been in the industry for a decade, but that's workforce development. You mentioned the IRA. There's a huge con- component of the IRA to incentivize training and, um, and even to incentivize um, you know uh, apprentices. There's a huge program there. Where do you see the Conversation on workforce development uh, either um, gaining momentum or falling short. Mm, that's a really good question.
4: Um, obviously, there's a lot of funding out there that's being pushed out, and certainly through the state energy offices as well. And so I think there's a they're going to be a really in, a, interesting and core implementation agent for this stuff, especially as they bring those you know those training programs up in those states. I think the industry as a whole, like NAPSEP training, this stuff is out there. They're really good, standardized, formalized things that are being pushed out more, yeah. but the industry a whole well is also still pretty complicated. The you know NEC, the rules and regulations around standards in the United States for installation are they're pretty onerous. Yes. So in, in my mind, there's actually three things that need to happen. And they need to be happening from three different directions. One is simplifying the standards and the requirements in the NEC level and the code in order to get more stuff out there. Reduce the burden for the HJ and for the and also standardization, like the uh, like the solar app tool is a fantastic example of right. this. So that's one. Two, Obviously pouring more, you know, continue to pour more money into getting, you know, more and more underserved communities of people into these training programs. Just marketing and dissemination. I think the money is there for the training itself. Letting people know this is an avenue that can be paid for to get into, I think some marketing there would be a really great place to, to push. And then the third, and obviously the last one's near and dear to my heart, is making the actual job simpler. Technology has to get more plug-and-play in order to make it easier for someone who doesn't have this level of training, someone with this level of training to get the same number jobs done in a week, in a month, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So we really hope that we can be a huge aspect of that because all of our stuff is plug and play.
0: It is indeed. And it makes it super, super simple. Uh, I guess another question occurred to me that I want to make sure I asked you. We're at RE Plus Mid-Atlantic. It is a bustling trade show. I'm I'm flabbergasted. 1,400 registrants, which makes it on par if not bigger than the RE, the Northeast show. Yeah, um,
4: actually, I, I, this is awesome. You know, this is our, this is our home turf, and it, I thought it was be a little smaller. It's small, amazing, it's honestly. Yeah. So
0: what is the, uh, what do you feel like is the top question uh, that folks ask as they're walking the show floor and they see you, like what do you, what's the first thing that you and your team end up uh, trying to answer or address on the, right, with people just walking the show floor? I'm always curious, like what are people actually trying to figure out when they're walking the show?
4: Well. I can't speak for the other booths. What I can say is the first reaction you usually get is sort of a quizzical look, it's like, yeah
2: huh. <laughs> It's like, yeah. so is
4: that even a question. It's just like, that's a thing we haven't seen before. Yeah. Uh, what, what it? Can we t- And so they come up, come up and we just talk about it. You know, we talk about the fact that it's got, you know, circuit breaker on the bottom, right. standardized plug in the top, sits between the meter and it's a line-side tap yeah. that's IDC compliant. Yeah. And they go, <gasps> Yeah, yeah. I, I could use that right now. I need this on, I've got 12 jobs to use that, like instantaneously, so that's, it's a really nice aha moment we still get a little rush out of. So yeah, it gets me for the rest of the show as like what the hot topics are right now. Um, other than knowing for other hardware writers, r- supply chain's still an issue. It's getting a lot more opened up, but it's still a little yeah. constrained. And um, everybody is really interested in seeing how the IRA rules are gonna shake out and where that's gonna push the market. Because obviously everyone's still really excited about it. Then, of course, there's California mm-hmm. and what's happening out there. How quickly will that model spread to other parts of the country? Yeah. That's a hot topic for us and for those other vendors we're talking
0: to. Which model specifically? Uh, so, for those who are unfamiliar,
4: uh, it's the, new, the new net energy metering policy, right. which basically means you pretty much need a storage system, at least a small one in every system, right. to make it economically really in the money. Good old NIM3. Yeah, exactly.
0: Have you been curious about utility-scale storage? SunGrow's revolutionary liquid-cooled solution is revolutionizing the storage landscape. It's built-in DC-to-DC coupling combined with other features like higher energy density and 3% slower battery degradation make it a robust solution that companies nationwide are choosing. You can learn more about this innovative solution by SunGrow by visiting mysuncast.com forward slash SunGrow. Hey, pardon the interruption, but I wanted to just let you know how much of an impact you have on Suncast. Yeah, you, thank you for clicking play. Without you, this show is just me shouting into the void. But there's still people who don't even know about Suncast. I know, I can hardly believe it myself. <laughs> but that's where you can help me yet again. There's a simple way that you can show. Some love and help others discover the show. If you cruise over to www.ratethispodcast.com forward slash suncast, I'd love it if you would leave a five-star rating and enthusiastic review. That's possibly the single kindest thing that you could do for me today. So if the show has helped, inspired, or even entertained you at all, I'd love it if you would head over to ratethispodcast.com forward slash Suncast. And give me a virtual two thumbs up. All right, back to today's episode. All right, one more. We've got my friend Todd Ahern from Megawatt Group, all about scaling and solving customer issues and becoming one of the top companies in the industry, what you do. It's a great example of how to leverage your skill set into building your own job. Tell me, what is so compelling about Megawatt Group and the opportunity that you saw to jump ship, come over and work with Todd? And what is it that, uh, that where are you gonna help take the company?
5: Yeah, this, this was a really exciting opportunity. Uh, I spent five years at Trina. Uh, I started and led their commercial solutions business unit for five years, uh, almost six years. And really part of that business unit was structuring a solution, right? Giving people access to more than just modules, giving them access to racking solutions, giving them access to inverters, storage, yeah. you know, anything. you know, And that solution being more of a one-stop shop is really compelling for buyers because then they don't have to have supply agreements in place with multiple suppliers. Yeah. One supply agreement gives you access to a lot of different products. This, with the Megawatt Group, it's just exponentially magnified because one particular instance when I was with, in my former job, we had skipped over a module wattage completely just because of the technology that was coming out and it was around the time that customers were asking for that specific product type we didn't have it now with the megawatt group i have access to literally every wattage every i'm not going to say every manufacturer but so many different options that we can provide to our customers and it can be domestic supply, it could be overseas supply, it could be price-based, it could be in U.S. inventory, or it could be new production. And I think, you know, on the new production side, that's something that I think is unique about our business. Traditional distributors, they're going to be working off their shelves with current product. We have the unique ability to work on current inventory and new module production with our supply partners. So we can look at projects now that need delivery today or next week. Or we can look at a project that needs supply in six months to a year, yeah. and line up that supply with our manufacturing partners. We just we have a lot more flexibility than than I ever had with a manufacturer.
0: Yeah, that flexibility is really key, and I think one of the things that I've learned uh, over the you know almost 20 years in the industry is that folks there is a, a high need for flexibility at the utility scale side of the industry where there is a, there's just a lot of um, sort of gaps in information in that market. You. Everyone sort of has a sense of what the price is, uh, what the right price is in the industry, but where product is sitting is often um, is is a very complex uh, commodity that is known by a very few number of people. I think the number the number one thing that I've seen that you guys have done in the marketplace that's slightly different um, from others is what you said earlier, Todd. The ability instead of going and signing an MSA with every solar module manufacturer, the ability to have one supplier, one vendor that has an MSA with all the others and can and provide you a, 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 a digital layer, a platform, if you will, to address utility scale. In, in many cases, like because you're not addressing the solar residential side, it for most people is like the small DG, the utility scale, like a megawatt and up, hence the name, megawatt group. Procurement. It's, a, it's an opportunity that we've seen, uh, you know, Borrego jump in the market trying to address. We've seen a lot of other folks with this platform uh, approach. And one of the things that I would posit that has created the ability to go from um, relatively zero to 80 million a year in sales to land on the Inc. 500 is that this, at the end of the day, is a relationship business. And these two guys both spent nearly... Almost two decades together at Trina, if you combine it in terms of total experience in the industry. So obviously, like your ability to scale megawatt is built on deep relationships in the industry. Are there other uh, are there other non-obvious things that are happening right now on that megawatt up uh, procurement chain that p- you think people should know about and that dramatically? That they give you an advantage. They give you an edge in the market. Yep, so great
1: question. So we've recognized certain bottlenecks in the industry that was slowing down the industry in general. Yeah. And one is legal. These contracts are complicated. Your yeah. people are buying, even on the smallest scale, they're buying hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of product. Yeah. So to be able to outsource that, to let us handle that, you know, a Trina, t- typically, they'll have one or two uh, legal guys. Yeah. So you might have 30 sales guys and one or two lawyers. So that is a major bottleneck. Logistics yeah. is another major bottleneck. When you're doing thousands of containers, a day. So we are trying to work with their, their companies and outsource some of that to l- take off some of that bottleneck. Right. So that recognition has gone a long way to really put us where we are. And plus, as you said before, it's a very small industry. Even though it's a huge industry, it's a very small industry. And your word, of your, your word. I mean, we've built a long, a good, strong relationships with everybody and they trust us. We don't recommend them do this, but sometimes we'll send an invoice and or excuse me, we'll send a and they'll pay us instantly. We're like, no, 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 let's get a deal in place first. But they trust us. They know that we will do what we say we're going to do. And we've made it a point to streamline everything. So for instance, Trina, you need to send in a P.O. Todd Atrina, the the guy who's trying to work, he's like, all right, you've got five things that you need to fix on this PO so I can enter it. Then maybe they'll do three of them. And I'm like, you still have anything? Well, we it it like takes forever. We send you out a sales quote, you press one button, now it's it's approved, and we move forward. So we try to streamline to make it as simple for the manufacturers and also as simple for the buyers. And ultimately, then we're doing our job. If we can make it as simple as possible, and that person, rather than shopping around to six different uh, manufacturers, they go directly to us and we manage it all as one point
0: of contact. All right. Well, you're now equipped with the thoughts from innovators and leaders who aren't worried about the hype, but are tackling the problem head on, solving our workforce problems in their own ways. I want to thank you for taking the time to pop by. And if you did like hearing from some of the brightest minds in our industry, well, you might consider subscribing to our channel because that's how you'll get notified when we do go live. Next time, we'll be at the Power Up Live podcast stage in RE+ in Las Vegas. And hey, if you missed that, well, we're going to be streaming it right here. So go ahead and subscribe. We'll see you next time.